The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. You are listening to Nick Ferguson's Second Dinner Perspective here on Voice American Sports. And as always, I have the pleasure, the distinct pleasure, to be joined by my co-host, Mile High Mario. You can it's find me. him on Twitter, at Mile High. Mario, there you go. It's me. Mario, you know, here's a couple things I want to get in because there's a lot of topics and uh, we need to get into. But real quickly, you know... We both drive in to do the show, and, and I know before we discuss some of your issues that you've had driving in and, and, and drivers cutting you off, but it's something <laughs> I've been meaning to talk to you about. It, it, it's motorcycle drivers, right? I don't know what it is with these, with these motorcycle drivers, and I don't know if you experienced this, but I'm, I'm driving in, and there's, there's traffic. I mean, there's traffic in Los was, Angeles. Was this today, over. Nick? This is today. I mean, okay. this is today. This is almost every day. So I don't know if I am just kind of drawn or the motorcycles are drawn to me or what. But it always seems to be a problem. It's rush hour. Here's a motorcyclist. I mean, he's late for something. So he's bobbing and weaving through traffic. And I'm thinking like, wait a minute. I mean, there are rules to the road. You just can't come sliding. And what if I decide to switch lanes? Because now the lane to my right side of me has now opened up. But I don't see you. You're about 20 yards behind me, but you come speeding past me. It's just like, do these individuals not know the rules to the road? I I don't know. I don't know what it is, Nick. I'm sure that they know, but, you know, some people just get that rush of driving really fast and cutting people off and not worried about that uh, that finger that lies in the middle of your hand. You know, I mean, you could you could throw that puppy up all you want. Some people, uh, they don't they don't really care. So I don't know if it's a rush or maybe, you know, maybe they were running late, Nick, and they had to make up for some lost time. I'm not sure what what drives people, pun intended, to act that way. Well, you know what? Maybe he was in a rush to go to the emergency room because if he continues or these motorcyclists, they know who they are, driving up and down the highway, cruising inside of the cars. If you have a death wish, please do not do it while I'm driving. I don't want that traumatic experience. I mean, just just follow the rules of the road and just kind of keep it moving. But but sticking to keep it moving, I put something on Instagram yesterday. I thought it was really funny. I sent it to you. And I wanted to talk about it on today's show. If you haven't seen it, you can go to my Facebook page, uh, Nick Ferguson underscore 25, and definitely check that out. But it, it's 
I don't know. It looks like it's one in Malaysia or somewhere in the Philippines. That's what it looks like. A guy walks out in the middle of the street. There, there are no cars coming at this moment. He walks out and he stands and he waits for a car to come and the car stops because they see a pedestrian in the middle of the street. So he then thrusts himself on the hood and falls on the ground. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. I mean, ha- ha- have we gotten that bad in society? Are we hurting that bad that we're going to go out and do bogus things like this? I mean, it, it, it was the funniest thing I had seen, Mario. I, I'll let you uh, chime in and tell me what, what, what you thought about it. Yeah, I thought it was really, I mean, I thought it was hilarious, but I thought it was so bizarre. And, you know, if you haven't seen it, go check out Nick's Instagram page. And did you did you repost it, Nick? Is it on your Instagram page? It, it, it is on Instagram. So okay. uh, definitely go check that out. It's, it's guy, still uh, at Nick just, Ferguson underscore 25. It, like this guy just runs out and pretty much hops on the roof of someone else's car. And the guy is driving and then he slams on his brakes. And I think the guy was anticipating to get hit, you know, and collect a, bit, a little bit of insurance money. You know, try it. It's, uh, it was the first of the month last week. So I don't know, man. I mean, maybe his welfare didn't come in. I'm not sure what the problem was, but I, I just thought it was hilarious. The, the extent and the lengths certain people will go to 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 make it by it's it's kind of sad but video like that it's it's kind of too funny not to laugh at it, it is very funny uh not to laugh at and, and and we talked about this last week on the program you know this was just a regular pedestrian but you know right. playing in you know atlanta uh, at georgia tech there was one strip called mitchell street and people who are familiar with atlanta know this but I, i've seen people i've seen homeless people you know, walk out and get hit by cars. Now, understand, you know, Mitchell Street has a lot of kind of stores there. There was a barbershop that I went uh, I went to, and then right next to that was a store called Freedman Shoes. And that was a place where that had, you know, a plethora of dress shoes. And there, there were a lot of NBA players because they, they, I guess, sold a lot of oversized shoes. There were a lot of NBA players that would come to that store. I mean, I, I've seen... Patrick Ewing going to that store, then coming to the barbershop while I was sitting in the chair. But I've seen homeless people walk out knowing that athletes normally frequent Mitchell Street trying to get their payday. So it's it just kind of funny and ironic that uh, the, the, the bounds that people are willing to go to right. in order to get you know uh, a, a payday. But I want to switch to something really quick. Uh, Braxton Miller, you know, great quarterback, college quarterback. Uh, at Ohio State was having a great year until he got hurt. And then they had to go to JT Barrett. And then after that, you know, Cordell Jones. And when I look at it, and I saw this uh, last week, and I wanted to talk about it, I want to touch on it now. He decided in his senior year to switch from quarterback to wide receiver. And there's another guy who's trying to make that same transition after, you know, having a short stint in the NFL. And that's another Ohio State quarterback in Terrell Pryor. And for, for me, when I look, first looked at this, Braxton Miller, you know, making this transition, I say, well, you're trying to do it in your senior year. And there are some wide receivers on your team that you're going to be competing with for playing time. And I know you're trying to make sure that, hey, listen, I'm not certain that my NFL career will, be, will have that longevity at the quarterback position. So I'm just going to go ahead and make that switch to the wide receiver position. And I said, well, you're going to switch in your senior year. You know what type of skill set you're going to have to master 
in order for NFL teams to even really look at you as a prime prospect. Now you're talking about, you know, maybe if you stay at quarterback, maybe. Maybe a third-round choice, depending on the team and their need. But now you have moved yourself to a free agent position. And then I look at what Terrell Pryor is trying to do with the Cleveland, Cleveland Browns. Very talented player. You know, big and the type of guy you would like to use or utilize inside the red zone because his catch radius. But that skill set has to be there. You can be very talented and very athletic, but there's a technique. Can you run routes? Can you run all the routes on the route tree? Can you come in and out of your brace? Can you sink your hips? Can you pre and post snap read the defense? The same thing Terrell Pryor is dealing with with transition. Braxton Miller has to deal with as well. And before I get your comments, you know, I'm going to give you a rundown of a list of individuals who successfully made that transition from other positions, maybe the quarterback position to maybe playing running back or wide receiver. You had Patrick Creighton. Heinz Ward played with the Steelers. Uh, Michael Robinson, who played quarterback, running back, and wide receiver when he was with Penn State, won a Super Bowl at fullback with the Seattle Seahawks. And Julian Elderman, both, both he and Josh Cribbs played quarterback at Kent State and went on to be, you know, Josh Cribbs in his own right was one heck of a special teams player. Let's not forget about Cordell teams. Stewart either, either Nick. Well, I, yeah, I gotta yeah. throw, I gotta you know, throw slash, in a little bit of CU love. You know, that's that's my guy. Yeah, Cordell. I, I figured that you would, but uh, Antoine Randall L. I mean, he 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 was exceptional, and he played with Pittsburgh. And when you talk about Slash, I think at the time Cordell Stewart kind of opened the door for a lot of these players, I believe, and showing that he can play in multiple positions. The only position we didn't really see him play, and they never put him there was at safety, and I believe if had they put him there, I think just because of his pure athletic ability, he would have been able to do that. But when you look at Braxton Miller and Terrell Pryor trying to make that transition, do, do you think or you feel as though these individuals will be able to master that in a small amount of time that they had? Well, here's the thing about Terrell Pryor, Nick. I never understood why he entered the draft as a quarterback. I mean, and if you look back when he was like a freshman or a sophomore earlier on, Ohio State would put him as a wide receiver every so often because the kid was like 6'4", 6'5", and he ran a 4'3", Nick. I mean, if you are, you know, a, a football analyst or a casual football fan and someone comes up to you and tells you, hey, I've got this kid, he's 6'5", runs a 4'3", what position do you think he's playing? Like, obviously, your brain is going to go instantly to wide receiver. You got a big, fast guy. And sometimes if you got that kind of size and you know how to use it and you have that kind of speed, the route running will come to you. You know, start off as a big play guy where you go deep or you catch screen passes or whatever else. I mean, take a look at DT. And the only reason I'm saying this is because look at his route tree at Georgia Tech, Nick. He ran go routes and he ran bubble screens. And that's pretty much it. Every other play, he had to block. So DT was a guy that didn't know the route tree. He was just a big, fast, physical, gifted receiver. And that's what I see with Terrell Pryor. And it didn't make sense to me that Terrell Pryor didn't switch earlier. As far as Braxton Miller, it's a little bit different. He's got the speed, but he's not 6'4", 6'5", like Terrell Pryor is. However, I think he has a leg up now, Nick, because I feel like he's doing this for his future. I think that regardless, he, he knew that regardless of who played quarterback at Ohio State this year, uh, the team was still going to be pretty good. 
And obviously there was a chance that he didn't even play Nick. I mean, obviously, yeah, he was the guy for a while. And then he went down and Cordell Jones came out of nowhere and won them a national championship. So he is a, I think doing this for the greater good for the best of the team. Cause he's thinking, you know, Cordell can play or I could play quarterback, but one of us is going to have to be on the bench. So why don't I learn how to play receiver? Because there's not really that much difference between Braxton Miller and Cordell. And from what we've seen from Cordell, he's probably a little bit better, to be perfectly honest. I mean, nothing phases the kid, apparently. And then looking towards the future, Braxton Miller, I think what he did was was very smart. Because he is planning for an NFL career. Because, Nick, you know that he's not going to get drafted as a quarterback. I know there was there was a time, you know, it, it was a little uh, little deal for a couple years where, oh, maybe teams are interested in running quarterbacks, but through it all, they're still going to want the pocket guy that gets it done. Well, you know, I, Mario, I, I, I have a difference of opinion when I look at that because the game every year, every couple of years goes through a transition period. I mean, we, we've seen, you know, Cam Newton had to get a, this humongous deal by the Carolina Panthers. And you will even look at Andrew Luck. I mean, he's a pocket passer and he runs from the pocket. I think when you look at the fact that those bookings, those rushings, and the individuals in that box, seven-man box, those individuals are getting faster, more athletic. So you need a quarterback that can move and slide in the pocket. And that well, I don't, I don't, I don't doubt that, Nick, but this is, a, this is a run first guy. I think that you look in the NFL, Cam Newton is slowly becoming a pass first guy. I think his rookie year when he had all those rushing yards and rushing touchdowns, he looked to run RG3. That's why he was successful. That's why he was rookie of the year. But then we see what happens. These guys get hurt, especially if they don't have a very good offensive line. So while it's nice to be a running quarterback, you know, like Russell Wilson just got a huge deal and he's able to evade. But I still think he looks to run second if the play breaks down. And a guy like Braxton Miller, he's not a true blue quarterback Nick he's kind of like a quarterback we would see at Oregon you know obviously Marcus Mariota broke the mold but I'm talking about pre-Marcus Mariota you know the the Dennis Dixons of the world where they are option quarterbacks who throw to wide open receivers because their offense is superior that's what I saw from Braxton Miller he's a run first guy so I think as far as his draft status Nick if we're talking about this kid's future and how much money he's gonna make I don't think that he would have been drafted He might have been signed on by a team just because of his name. But now that he's going to get a whole season as a wide receiver at the very prestigious Ohio State, he has a chance to turn some heads. And instead of going undrafted or maybe getting taken in the seventh round, maybe he could be bumped up to like a fourth round pick, Nick, if he shows that he can play the position. I I, I don't believe that because now you're talking about a guy who would only have played one year at the wide receiver position when he... From high school, from Pop Warner to Ohio they, State. They're, they're, like all the other guys you had listed, they played quarterback and they didn't really play wide receiver. Well, but, so, but once again, that's why we're talking about the, the transition itself. I think that he would have fared better going into the draft as a quarterback, you know, boosting his draft status to be able to show him once he goes to the NFL combine that he has all the intangible assets as a quarterback. Had, I think he had that in the back of his head too, Nick. Like, it's, it's an open competition. So it's between him and Jones. So what if Jones wins out? Then he's certainly not going to get drafted, and his draft status is completely shot. 
Well, to me, so you I, have the belief. I think he's. I think he's doing the safer thing, in my opinion. I, I don't. I don't think so. I say stay at the quarterback position. You know, try to beat Cordell Jones out. That's what football is going to be about: competition. Whether he plays quarterback or wide receiver on the next level, competition is always going to be there. You can't shy away from it. So he gets to the NFL as a wide receiver, and there's competition. What he's going to then move to running back. Stay at your natural position that you have already harnessed that skill set. Believe in yourself. And if Johnny Manziel can be in the NFL and Tim, Tim Tebow. Yeah, and, NFL, how, and how, well, Miller, how well did that pan out? How, like, how well has Tebow panned out, though? How well has Manziel panned out? I know Tebow had the fantastic year, and I don't like to talk ill of him because that was the most exciting Broncos season of my life. No offense to you, Nick, because, you know, of course, all of the years <laughs> you were there were fantastic. But, you know, I also had a heart attack every single Sunday when Tebow was the quarterback. But we see where he is now. I mean, he's on the Eagles, but, you know, let's be honest, probably not going to make the team. And he's bounced around and hasn't found success. Manziel, you know, everybody couldn't believe that he had dropped so low in the draft. And, you know, look, he just hasn't caught on. So uh, that's just my opinion. But can I say real quick before we go to break, Nick, have you seen Cardale Jones is not only like tweeting at Ronda Rousey about how she's his girlfriend and like trying to go out on a date with her, he's taking it and making it seem as though it has already happened. So if you haven't seen it, go check out Cardell Jones on Twitter, Nick, and I'll, I'll try and go dig and see if I can retweet some of them. But he's a huge Ronda Rousey fan. And apparently he's doing everything in his power to make her his woman. Well, you know, I, I don't blame him, but coming up after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about Ronda Rousey. I know you, you, you know, you like her. I mean, she she knocks people's lights oh, out, but, but she's a very like attractive. Yeah, she's a very attractive uh, woman. But we'll talk more about Ronda Rousey, and then two hundred million dollars is he worth it? James Harden. We're digging to that after this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening. 
listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. You know what? I'm going to bring you guys uh, into a conversation we had during the break. You listen to <laughs> Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective with Mario Batanzi here on Voice America Sports. Before we went to the break, Mario was telling us about a tweet that uh, Cordell Jones, a quarterback for Ohio State, has is actually putting out there as though he's dating uh, or trying to pursue Ronda Rossi, and everyone knows about he's, it. He's just he's trying gone. to get her get her attention. Get her attention. And sometimes you have to do that. If, to, to court a woman, you have to get her attention. You've seen these peacocks. That, that male peacocks that, you know, pick out their feathers and strut around. That, that's what he's trying to do, but a different approach via social media. He's so taking, the, he's so taking Mar- the Nick Ferguson approach, puff, puffing out his feathers and wearing the nice clothes and looking better than everybody else. You have to. You have to find a way to stand out. But Mario asked, <laughs> me, Mario asked me, say, listen, if I was single, what I tried to date her. I was like, yeah, I mean, she's a very... Uh, and you didn't even let me finish. You just cut me off. I said, you know, if you were single, and Nick was like, yeah, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, I would. Of course, it's kind of a no-brainer. Here's a woman who, uh, movies aside, but she's very attractive. She's very physical. I consider myself to be a very physical person, too. And you know if you ever got into a fight, she'd be right there with you. She'd probably kick more butt than you. But Mario said he would be afraid just because... The- just the idea, like the the fact that she could, not that she ever would, but that she could whoop your ass. And now, see that was Nick. The- now Nick was trying to tell me, "Oh well, don't say we, don't say we would get whooped." You know, I don't know how you brought me into this. And I'm saying, look, Nick, yeah, you played in the NFL for a very long. What was it? Ten years, Nick. Ten years. Ten years. And you played one of the most physically uh, dominating positions at safety, especially back then when safeties actually hit people. And so I'm not questioning your toughness, Nick, but I mean, she is arguably the best female fighter of all time. I mean, there's not one person out there that doesn't want to see her get in the ring with Floyd Mayweather because I think they know deep down she would whoop Mayweather's ass. But Nick's trying to tell me that, oh, no, no, she wouldn't. She wouldn't get me. I'm Nick Ferguson. I'm Fergie Ferg, 25. You can't bring me down. Well, well I, didn't, I didn't go that far, Mario. All I'm saying, I have a lot of confidence <laughs> in myself. And I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm going to shy away from dating someone because I think they're more physical than I am. For me, hey, listen, that's kind of attractive to know that a woman could get down and dirty. She can sweat. <laughs> she don't have a problem with it. But then she still has that softer side and she could be a female. To me, I was like, well, you're scared. If you're scared, and in Miami, we had a saying, if you're scared, say you're scared. And apparently, you are. Right. And remember, men are hunters. Women, uh, I guess how they say are gatherers. So, Mario, are you a gatherer in this in this situation and she would be the hunter? Is that what you're telling me? Um, no, yeah, OK, not, there not, it is. not necessarily. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not necessarily. I guess that I, I speaks. Feel like, I feel like it would let me give you an idea. 
Uh, well, I don't know about, well, from what you just said, it doesn't sound like any, there's any fluctuation. But let me give you an uh, idea of how uh, tough this woman is. Nine and Owen submissions, three TKOs, 12 wins, no losses, last fight, 34 seconds. So, I mean, and, and she's being talked about as, you know, being similar to that of Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson actually tweeted out to her after the fight saying, look, you know, I look, hey, she's that person. And to me, when we look at fights and we look at how she demolishes people in the first rounds, like they can't even get out of the first round. And when you look at athletes and we all have this discussion, well, who's considered the best athlete? Who's the all around athlete? To me, she's now moving up in the ranks. And, you know, UFC fighting was something that was dominated by men for years. But she is definitely coming in and changing the idea. I like it because girls realize that they, too, can be physical, just as guys can be. But also, once again, like I said, all important, they can have a softer side and dress up, wear heels, whatever it is. But she is that that person. And I think right now it's only one person who I believe everyone's saying that can challenge her right now. And this would be kind of equivalent to that Mayweather-Pacquiao big fight that everyone wants to see. It's someone named Chris Cyborg Justino. And I think one of the problems that Rossi says she doesn't want to fight her yet is there's a 10-pound difference. But more importantly, as though we heard that Floyd said in the Pacquiao fight, is the, I guess, back history of steroid use. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I understand that. I wouldn't want to fight anyone that has a history of steroid use, not knowing, okay, they just went through a cycle and how tough their punches are going to be. So I understand it, but this is a fight definitely I would like to see these two women get into that octagon and go at it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I'm completely with you. But if there's talk of steroids or anything that could be performance enhancing, of course, it kind of seems like that's exactly what Ronda Rousey is made of. I mean, geez, her last fight <laughs> lasted just over 30 seconds. That poor girl never even had a chance. And I don't know if you saw these pictures, Nick, of that fight, but it kind of looked like she made a mess in her pants after getting knocked out. Well, I, you know, I'm ta- sometimes, I'm about, you I'm know. I'm talking about Beth Correa. I don't know if you saw it. There are some pictures floating around. I'll try and, I'll try and find it and send it to you. But see, you okay. talk crap. And uh, it ends up coming out the other end. Well, you know what? That, that's, that's another thing, man. And, and in sports, you know, it's always saying that talk is cheap. But I, I think sometimes when you look I think at matches. she was trying like, to get in her head, Nick. Honestly, I think she was scared. And she was trying to do everything that she could to psych Ronda Rousey out. And obviously it didn't work. And she shut her up. <laughs> I, 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 just, that, I don't know why you would give Ronda Rousey fodder. You know, like, why would, like, don't give her bulletin board material. Well, I mean, you know, when you look at sports in general, more, more importantly, boxing and MMA and UFC, you see more of the jaw jacking and chirpy, chirpiness going back and forth. But that, that's for the promotion to sell the, the, the fight. But one thing about it is, though, another, you gotta, if you talk about it, you have to be about it. And you just can't, you know, run your mouth and don't back it up. And to me, that's what you have to do. And I think sometimes when you see individuals who sell these wolf tickets, to me, that's a sign of insecurity. That person is not really confident in their ability. So they're going to talk themselves up. They're going to build themselves up. But one thing about it, 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 you reach a point where the rubber meets the road. And now you have to back up that talk 
with action. And obviously, you know, she didn't. And, and Ronda Rossi doesn't really say that much. She she comes from that that old school that Coach O'Leary, my old coach, who now coached with the UFC Knights, uh, would always say, you know, you don't have to be verbal. You just come out and do it with your with your helmet and shoulder pads. And she comes out and she do, she does it with her fist. Thirty four mm-hmm. seconds, thirty four seconds. It's just like it's like a Tyson fight. You didn't even you went to go grab a cold uh, drink or some popcorn. Next thing you know, the fight's <laughs> over. Exactly. You spend all that money on it. Okay, let me let me ask you this, Nick. Obviously, there was a lot of talk about the uh, Pacquiao Mayweather fight and how they pretty much just dance around each other and you know whatever else we talked about it on the show and nauseam before. Would you right. rather spend money on that, Nick, on that main event and see that, or would you rather see a fight like Ronda Rousey where she knocks her opponent out in thirty seconds? So let's 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 forget that there are, you know, obviously undercards and there are other fights that have to go on before the main event. If it's just one fight or the other and you got a hundred bucks, Nick, which one are you watching? Oh, I'm, I'm watching uh, Ronda Rossi. That, that's that's the biggest ticket. Going. But, but I'm, I'm saying like, but what kind of fight? Like, would you rather see a fight like Mayweather? And it could be anybody like, let's say. Uh, obviously it's not boxing, but Rousey gets into a fight and, you know, they kind of dance around each other and feeling each other out. And obviously I know it's, it's kind of like potatoes and tomatoes, like two completely different things, but you're saying you would rather watch a fight where someone gets knocked out right away than when they're kind of dancing around each other. Absolutely. That, that's the exciting part of those type of fights because it's unexpected real quick. I give mm-hmm. you the story, you know, uh, I took a couple of fans to to Vegas to see uh, Roy Jones fight because we always say that we wanted to do it when we were in college. And we were like 12 rows up from the center ring. And this is when Roy Jones is fighting Tarver. At this point, he's never been knocked out. And I remember when he got punched, he got knocked out. It was like the air went out of the whole room. Everyone was just like, <gasps> like, what happened? Mm-hmm. So to, to see a fight like that, it, it's it's surprising. You're not expecting, just like when Pacquiao got knocked out by uh, Manuel Marquez. My wife and I was watching it. And when Pacquiao got hit with that open shot and he left himself open and he hit the canvas, my wife jumped up screaming like, ah, is he dead? I'm just like, no, he's not dead. But, <laughs> but that's one of those things that, that, that is shocking about that fight that lasts in, you know, 34 seconds or, you know, you don't really know where the punch is coming from. So, yeah, I would rather see a fight where it, it, it's, it's a one-hitter quitter, as we call it, and someone's on the canvas because it is exciting. It adds to the sport. And, yes, I know if you're listening, you're saying, oh, why are we promoting violence? I mean, it is a violence. You have to know, go into the fight knowing what it is. But, I mean, just for the sake of argument, I would take the 34-second fight. But I want to tell you something. Now, Lolo Jones, I mean, she really hasn't succeeded in the way that she wanted to in track and field. But she said she thinks that she can survive in the ring against Ronda Rousey especially with all these other individuals jumping into the ring and not lasting that long, she would use her skill set as a runner to evade her. Now, I don't know about you, but Lolo, you have a pretty face. Uh, and I would encourage you not to get in the ring. I know all jokes aside, but and it's all we're talking about hypotheticals here, but please stick yeah, to track and feel. Don't do it. Uh, but there's something else I want to talk to you about. You know, uh, Arian Foster was injured and injured his groin. Is probably going to miss a significant amount of time for the Houston Texans. And they don't really seem to have a go-to guy. You know, they have A.J. Blue and they have a couple of other, other guys. But, you know, which made me think, 
is it time for the NFL to give Ray Rice a second look? I, I want you to listen to what he had to say about, about that in an interview that with uh, Jamil Hill. I understand why, you know, maybe a few teams or teams that shy away from me. I understand that because it's a privilege. It truly is a privilege to play in the NFL. And there's no set in stone whether you're going to get a second chance or not. But like I said, my hope and faith and, you know, and everything else that, you know, I'm doing in my life, you know, I'm just really hopeful for a second chance. Well, you know, Mario, I mean, this this country was kind of built on, you know, second chances. And I know Ray Rice has become the poster child uh, for domestic violence. And we can argue, you know, ad nauseum whether it's right, whether it's wrong. Uh, but we stated and we had we taken a strong stance on this program that violence against women, uh, it, we don't condone it. Uh, if there is a discrepancy, we need to learn how to walk away from it. But I ask you. If you were a GM and knowing as though we've seen so far in training camp and we're early in training camp, there are teams, one, that are struggling at the running back position because they don't have depth. Uh, Darren McFadden with the Dallas Cowboys, he's been banged up, you know, in his entire career. Now he's trying to get himself back on the field. You have Arian Foster, the Cleveland Browns need some help at the running back position. But if you are a GM, do you give Ray Rice a second chance? And could your locker room be strong enough to withstand whatever criticism that could come from joining, having him join your team. Honestly, there are a couple factors in this, Nick. Um, when it comes to his quote-unquote off-the-field issues, uh, I don't think that's what's keeping him off. I mean, you look at Greg Hardy, who did something as deplorable, except that Greg Hardy did not get caught doing it, meaning there was no video of him doing it. But what they did, what they got suspended for, was essentially the same thing, Nick. The only thing that separated it is everybody saw Ray Rice do it, which, you know, is a flaw in our system, but that's how it is nonetheless. When it comes to a skill standpoint, you're not talking about an Adrian Peterson here, Nick. You're not talking about a guy who can miss a year, and I don't know if you've seen Adrian Peterson recently, but he doesn't even look real. He literally looks Photoshopped, Nick. Like, it doesn't make any sense that someone is in that good of shape, especially after being off for basically a year. Like, he must have only worked out. Like, every single Sunday when his team was playing, he must have just been in front of the TV working out the entire time watching the Vikings play. (laughs) Honest to goodness. So, if, if you want to talk about, like, wanting a good running back, I think that Ray Rice, you, you look at the last season that he had in Baltimore under a Gary Kubiak offense that should make it very easy to run. And he averaged, like, 3.1, 3.2 yards per carry. So if we're going to forget about the off-field stuff and forgive him for that, which I think it's time. He's, he's done his time. He didn't play in the NFL for an entire year. I think that it's you know, he's he's paid his dues and he should get another chance. But if I'm a GM, Nick, and I'm looking to bring in the best talent available and obviously desperate times call for desperate measures, you might as well bring him in for a workout 
because that's not going to cost you anything. See if he's still got some legs under him. Maybe, maybe taking the year off revigorated him, Nick. I don't know. But it just depends on his work ethic. We know what kind of work ethic Adrian Peterson has. So despite being out in the entire year last year, he's going to come back now. And he's probably going to be a top three, if not the best running back in the NFL. Ray Rice, I don't see that. He was never on Adrian Peterson's status. He was more of a system guy. He was good, but he wasn't fantastic. And... Him taking a year off, I just don't see him being effective. So if we're going to forgive him for what he's done, which I think we should because his wife has, whether or not it's about the money, it doesn't matter. She's forgiven him. So that means it's no longer anybody else's problem. It's nobody, it's no longer anybody else's issue. Give him another chance. But if I'm the GM, I don't want him on my team because I don't think he's good enough. And I don't, I don't want to pay him. All right. Some other NFL news, uh, courtesy of WFAN, Jerry Reese, the vice president and general manager of the New York Giants, had this to say about the injured JPP. It's a personal conversation, and, and I want to keep it private between him and I, and uh, uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. They had a good conversation. I don't want to really talk about it because when you talk about those things, you know, the agent listens and you think you're trying to, to send some kind of message, and it just doesn't make sense for me to talk about it. You have to think about it like this, but somebody has a, a catastrophic, a traumatic incident like that, it's just life-changing what happened to him, to a young man. You know, it was an accident. And uh, so when something like that happens, you really don't want to see anybody. I, I get it. We're not pissed off. We're not mad about it. We were just trying to, to say, look, we're here for you. We want you to get well. Any resource we can give you, let us know. That's what we were trying to do. All right, that, that's uh, Jerry Reese, uh, GM for the New York Giants, talking about JPP. Jason prepare, uh, Pierre Paul, the talented pass rusher for the New York Giants, who suffered a hand injury that has him ha- hospitalized right now, and he's trying to uh, recoup. He hadn't signed his franchise tag, which is worth $14.8 million dollars. For me, when I first heard about this, I, I didn't think it was going the right way as far as JPP is uh, concerned. And to me, to each is its own, and, and you know that's his personal uh, choice. But looking at the NFL as a business and understanding the position of the New York Giants and Jerry Reese, the GM, you want to be able to check that player out. You want to know where that player stands, how is his health. Uh, we have some of the best doctors. They're probably thinking in New York, let our doctors evaluate you see if we can get, make some kind of mold or something that can help that uh, hand, that uh, index finger that was, uh, I think a portion of that was amputated, that could possibly affect how JPP uh, plays from here on out. But yeah, we, you know, with $14.8 million on the table, we want to be able to poke and prod that individual to see if you're worth that money. We like what you've done for the team before, but we want to make sure that you're able to come out and do what we're asking you to do, even on a franchise tag. But I also understand the player standpoint. Nick, I think if, you're, you're glossing over one of the most important things and you're, you're just not bringing it up and it's breaking my heart. This guy blew off his finger using fireworks, Nick. And I'm not talking about, oh, he's a kid. He didn't know any better. This is a grown man, Nick, who does not know how to handle fireworks are you kidding me let's 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 move on from from the mainstream nick and what everybody's talking about is he going to be able to recover is he going to be able to play he blew a finger off nick can, can we can we talk about the the human condition for just a hot second like had he been drinking 
what makes a man want to hold on to a firework, Nick, to the point where you blow your freaking finger off? And you know that you are a professional athlete. You know that as a defensive lineman, your hands are your tools. So why are you jeopardizing that, Nick? Can we talk about that just a little bit? Look, I'll spend uh, some time on it because to me, as this story started to develop, I mean, we still don't have all the details about how it actually happened, right? We know that he did, you know, hold a firework in whatever capacity and it did damage to his hand, but, you know, there was no mention of, you know, intoxication or alcohol being involved. Exactly. So I don't, I don't, I don't want to toss that into the mix. But that means that he was just stupid then, Nick. Like, okay, you're a very intelligent human being. You went to Georgia Tech, you know, difficult school. You got a good education. At any point, Nick, would you, you know, come across, geez, I, I can't even believe this happened. He blew his finger off with a firework. Like, that, that just says it all. Could you ever imagine yourself doing something like that? No, a- a- absolutely not. I mean, but, but, exactly. but, but, but how many times in the offseason? In human well, being, Nick. Yeah, but how many times in the, in the offseason that we, we've seen guys, you know, and it's a problem in the NFL, you know, uh, maybe domestic violence, DUIs, you know, substance abuse. So to me, I guess you classify this as one of those. I feel like that's injuries. just a different, it's just a different kind of stupid. Like when you get a DUI and you, you drink and drive, that's obviously a very regrettable kind of stupid and it, it's a big deal. But man, I don't know. I feel like I put this on a whole nother level. Like that's just low IQ stupid. That's not a, oh, I messed up and you know, had a moment of weakness, stupid. That's a, I'm like, I am not as smart of an, a human being and not as fully functioning a human being as most other people, kind of stupid. Well, I'm not going to call him, you know, use use that word to refer Nick, to you, JPP. He wasn't but, smart. But, well, hey, listen, I'm just going to chalk it up as he made uh, a bad business decision, and I'll <laughs> wait for more of the details to come You're out. You're Nick. You're too nice. <laughs> Yeah, what would you, you say if I blew my if, if we had gone Fourth of July and I came on the show after Fourth of July and I was like you know Nick I had a good Fourth of July for the most part except damn man I blew my finger off I blew one of my fingers off of my hand what would you have told me You're like Mario what, what what are you what are you doing man were you stupid or something and I would say yeah apparently because only stupid people would blow their finger off with a firework well you know what the first thing I would say I I, I would check first to make sure you're okay well then, sure. Right. And then second, I would say, well, you know, give me a little details. And after you give me details, I wouldn't say that you're stupid because people do a lot of unwise things all the time. But I would say, well, maybe next time leave the pyrotechnics to the professionals. Maybe next time turn your brain on. Yeah, maybe, maybe next maybe. time make sure your brain is functioning. Maybe you'll get an IQ test. And if it's not triple digits, you don't get to set off fireworks. Maybe not. Coming up after the breaks, Tony Romo tells Des Bryant, if you get into another fight, I'm going to fight you. That oh, and more uh, on Nick Ferguson's secondary perspective here on Voice America Sports. We'll be right back after this short break. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Listen to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective here on Voice America Sports. Don't forget to get that free Voice America Network app so you can listen to us anywhere at any time. Uh, Mario, I'm kind of speechless right now because, <laughs> <laughs> and this rarely happens because I'm, I'm thinking about Tony Romo. We haven't even gotten to the season. So the Tony Romo effect is not in play right now. But Tony Romo said to his, I, I, I would like to say, much more mature, but I'll say, you know, bigger pocket wide receiver and Dez Bryant, who got into a fight <laughs> earlier this week with Tyler Patman. And Romo say, look, Dez, if you get into another fight, both you and I will end up with broken hands because I'm going to fight you. And I'm thinking like, wait, yeah, wait, wait. Yeah, fight fire with fire. That usually yeah. ends up yeah. Ends up decision. And, you know, I always say this about training camp. I mean, it's, it's hot. I mean, it's muggy. You're playing against yourself. Especially down in Dallas. Especially down in Dallas. And in some places, it's really humid. So tempers seem to flare. And this is the actual uh, statistic that sometimes a lot of things happen uh, as far as aggressive mentality when the temperature is over 95 degrees. So it is hot. So a lot of tempers flare. And training camp, you want a competitive, not combative. And every once in a while, an altercation may break out. But you want to make sure you protect your hands. But Dez Bryant, he's, he has to be be smart. He has to be smart. And I know, you know, uh, Tony Roman's probably only joking here, but that would be really funny to see both Dez and Romo rolling on the ground. I mean, after Dez has just got into another altercation. But, you know, obviously, once again, we just classify it as the Tony Romo effect. So that, that, that would be funny. But could, but could you imagine that, Mario, those two guys actually having things come to fisticuffs? Obviously, I think that 
he's probably just joking and maybe trying to make light of the situation. Uh, the kind of person that Tony Romo is, I just find it very hard to believe that he would seriously say something like that. But man, Nick, if, if he is being for real, that he would fight Des Bryant, dude, I would, I would rather pay a hundred dollars to see that fight than Mayweather Pacquiao, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I might actually pay to see that instead of Ronda Rousey in, 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 against anybody else, Nick. I mean, I think Des Bryant would just toss him around the field, but still Tony Romo, you know, he's got that rocket right arm. I feel like he'd get a, get a couple pops in, you know, like he he would leave, he would leave Des a little bit bruised, but I I think the thing to take away from this and what I want to remind everybody is when he and Demarius Thomas were going through their contract negotiations, Nick, uh, Des was being way more outspoken, way more boisterous about it. DT was just there like, you know, I, I just want to get paid what I feel is fair. And DT was a consummate professional about it. And the reason that we compare these two all the time is because they're in the same draft class. They wear the same number. They were taken just a couple picks away from each other. And so they're always going to be suited in together with one another because it's like oh a lot of people thought the Broncos would take Des Bryant there ended up taking Demarius Thomas so they're always going to get compared and I will take Demarius Thomas over Des 10 out of 10 times and it's strictly for the off field behavior DT has never gotten into any trouble you've never heard him say anything bad about anybody and with Des it's the complete opposite like Peyton Manning is never going to have to joke about having to get in a fight with Demarius Thomas because Demarius Thomas is acting out of practice. Why is it okay for Dez to act this way? I mean, Cowboy fans put him up on a pedestal, and I will say I give a lot of respect to Cowboy fans because they back their players even when they shouldn't. But Dez is just one of those guys, like, maybe they just know how important he is to the team that deep down they're like, man, this guy is a tool but we just got to put up with him because he scores all these touchdowns. He catches all these balls. Like he's just so good that we can't push him away. Like we need him on our team, but man, I just wish he wasn't such a douche all the time. Well, you know, and sometimes that, that does actually, you know, happen. And we just, we knew how valuable Des Bryant was to the organization outside of his off the field issues. But once again, I do agree with you. That's why I would have, you know, I would choose Demarius Thomas, not because he's a Georgia Tech guy, but you're looking but for guys. I mean, that, that also helped. But the biggest <laughs> thing is, you know, the production on the field, because if you're paying a guy a lump sum of money, you want to make sure he's there every Sunday. He's not doing something that can cost the team in the long run. And off the field issues that have followed this, Brian, knowing how volatile he is, that was definitely a concern. But Jerry World had no choice. But. Football is back this Sunday. The Hall of Fame game, Pittsburgh Steelers against the Minnesota Vikings and the 2015 class consists of Junior Seau, Jerome Bettis, Charles Haley, Tim Brown, Will Shields, Ron Wolf, and Bill Polian, two front office guys. And we'll probably have to talk about this later. But I think Jerry DeBarlow Jr. definitely needs to be inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame, regardless of what you feel about him in the media. It's all based on the merit of what he did with the San Francisco 49ers. But Mario, for me, it is all about the speeches before the big game. And here is Curtis Martin and some of his speech. I call him. I said, Coach, uh, my knee is really killing me. I don't know that I can play with it. Um, and he said, Curtis, well, listen, I would always, I'm a big fan of you taking care of your body first. 
Um, he said, but I've always believed one thing, Curtis. I said, what's that, coach? He said, you should, you know, that voice Parcells has, you should never come out of the huddle because you never know who's going in the huddle. And, and that was just something that stuck with me, you know. And, and again, that's one of the lessons that the NFL taught me. You're always replaceable. You know, there's, some, <laughs> there's someone always right on your heels. And every year, I'll tell you, there was someone, and I'm not being modest, there was someone on that team that had more ability. They were bigger, stronger, faster, quicker. But I just outworked everyone. Well, you know, uh, at the end of the day, you know, football has taught me so much. I'll forever be grateful to this game. I wish I could go back and play my career with the perspective. Of and that's Curtis Martin talking about, you know, the perspective he would like to go back if he could go back with the things that he's learned uh, to this point. And also just, you know, the Hall of Fame, you know, it's the game, it's matchups. But like I said, it's the speeches, how passionate, how guys finally reached the pinnacle of their career that they've been dreaming about ever since they were kids and an emotion that comes out. I mean, that is must-see TV, and that's one of the reasons I would be tuning in to the game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Minnesota Vikings, and that would be the first return of all-day Adrian Peterson as he comes back. So uh, I would definitely love to see that. But, Mario, really quickly before we get out of here, $200 million is what is on the table for James Harden as Adidas tries to pull him away uh, from from Nike. And, And we all know how talented James Harden is. Really quickly, if you are James Harden, is it a no-brainer to go ahead and take this $2 million, or do you force Nike to go ahead and match it? The way I see it, Nick, these guys get paid a ton of money. And I thought it was hilarious how people are like, oh, man, Demarius Thomas, Des Bryant, these guys are getting way too much money to play wide receiver in the NFL. It's like, really? Because a dude that comes off the bench for a typical NBA team is making more than them. So... You look at the amount of money that James Harden has made, and obviously $200 million is just absolutely staggering. But Nick, we're talking about a brand, man. We are talking about Nike, the brand. Just do it. If you ain't got Nikes on your feet, then it doesn't matter what you're doing. And that's always how I've lived my life. So you tell Nike to re-up you. Don't ask for $200 million because you know what? You don't need $200 million from Nike. It's Nike. Adidas has to pay $200 million because Nike, you get at a premium. So if you can get half of that from Nike, then you stay with Nike. Just do it, James Harden. (laughs) Hey, get me stumping in my Air Force Ones. Hey, get me stumping in my Air Force Ones. Because, Nick, here's the thing. If you sign with Adidas, you can't be seen wearing Nike. And that's a problem to me. If someone's telling me, hey, I'll give you $200 million, but you can never wear Nike again. I'll say, you know what, friend? Thanks, but pass. Well, some people are dedicated to the brand. Mario's definitely dedicated. But if I'm James Harden, I'll stay with Nikes. But because the Jumpman, Air Force Ones. And like you said, you can't go out knowing as though you had a previous contract with Nike and wear Adidas stuff. And it's wrong to wear Adidas sweatshirt with Nike shoes. You just can't do it. That drives That's me nuts. What, what about if you're wearing like Adidas shoes and Nike socks or vice versa? That's what really gets at me, Nick. Like, match your shoes and socks, bro, or at least wear the ankle socks so people can't see. That drives me nuts. Drives you nuts. But 
Before I get out of here, Mario, I want to thank you for joining the program. All our listeners, thank you. We know you have other options, but we appreciate you listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective here on Voice America. It is Thursday, opening day. Only one week out, $56 million. That is the new Tom Cruise movie, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. I am going to go check this out. And also, the Fantastic Four is coming out next week. Straight out of Compton. We'll do our Straight Out of Compton uh, show. We won't be from Compton, but we'll do a Straight Out of Compton show. Uh, as always, I want to thank everyone in Phoenix for keeping the boys running smoothly. NFL football is back. Enjoy. Drink responsibly. And it's Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. Until next week. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.